talk to you about the book of Jude. Book of Jude. Last two verses. Last two verses. And I've memorized them through the years and forgotten them, memorized them, forgotten them, quoted them in different things in various places. It's a pretty famous couple verses. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. I like that. How about you? But it gets better. And to present you faultless. That's simply beyond belief. That someday, in any way, shape, or form, Bill Lytell would ever be presented faultless. It will happen because he said it. But it can only happen because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that satisfied the debt that all my sins owed. I am eternally grateful. I am eternally in debt. I'm a debtor. Uh, the work that I have given, the, 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 the service that I have been able to give through the years doesn't even come up close to what God has done for me. I am ready and willing to serve Him by the grace of God until death do us part. Why? Because of this kind of thing right here. Now unto Him was able to keep you from falling and present you faultless where? <clears throat> Before the presence of His glory. With what? With exceeding joy. Now God knows exceeding joy. God knows exceeding joy. <clears throat> my wife and I, my wife is a quiet woman. And she doesn't laugh much. I don't know about you men. I'm going to talk to you men for a second. But women's humor, sense of humor, is not the same as our sense of humor, typically. I can watch something and just be thinking it's hilarious and laughing and thinking it's big. And my wife will be sitting there as stoic as if a funeral procession was happening. And I'll be like, you don't sense any fun? In I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I'm like, what? Because I like slapstick. I'm going to hear like slapstick, crazy slapstick. Men, most of the time, like women too. My wife likes a, a more intelligent humor. We're on the road, and we, uh, we're coming down this way, and the super slab had a wreck, of course. You know, anymore when you travel super slab, there is no mercy. There is no just running through. you got to wait two hours here, two hours there, two hours there. It's just terrible. Uh, there's just too many cars, too few lanes. Anyway, we're coming down, and we got I got this GPS program that warns me there's a, there's a wreck up a mile marker, such and such. It's a beautiful thing. And it, it tells me where to get off. So I got off at this exit before the wreck, and I went in. I had to take a 22-mile detour through the country and to get on the other side of the wreck. And so we were going through the country, and I'll be honest with you, I was fairly lost. I couldn't, she says, I don't think we're on the right road. And you know, once you throw a seed of doubt on the thing, and there was no signs telling me I was on the right road. And I, I said, I, I couldn't remember. Let's just, let's just make a number up. Let's say it was 274. I'm supposed to be on like 274. And she says, I don't think this is 274. I said, yeah, it's 274. 
I don't, I don't, I don't think it's 274. She said, I haven't seen a sign in a long time. I said, well, let me stop at a gas station and ask. I don't mind asking. So I pulled in at a gas station, and uh, there was a motorcycle, a Harley guy. And so I stop at this Harley guy, and I think, man, this Harley guy is my buddy. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a brother of all Harley owners. And so he was a Harley owner, and I go up to and I, I pull up to him, roll my window down, and say, man, I am, I'm lost. I'm trying to get back on, was it, was it I-65, Kathy? We were going, I, maybe I-65. And uh, he says, well, it's no problem. He says, you go to this light right here, and you take a left. And you go to the next light, and you take a left. I said, well, I, I need to know what the name of the road is. He says, it's, it's Rotorooter. And I said, I'm sorry. You know, I'm hard of hearing. And it's outside. You know, air's on. Turn the air down. I said, now tell me that again. He says, it's Rotorooter. And I said, you know, I, I don't hear well, but Kathy, you got that? I looked over at her, and she's got this weird smile on her face. And... I said, now, for one more time, just so that she gets it, is it Rotorooter? And he says, it's Rotorooter. And I could tell my wife was ready to go crazy, so I rolled the window up, and she started screaming in laughter. When you're laughed to the place where you just, all you can do is scream. She was bent over and screaming. And I said, you're embarrassing me. And when I said that, she went nuts. She went nuts on me. She started screaming, I can't, you know, just, and it, because he could hear it. I said, you are embarrassing me again. And she got worse. And, and I just hurried up and hustled out and got on the road, you know. And the, the name of the road we found out was, what was the name of the road, Kay, you remember? Wilma, Wilma Rudolph, and I'm going to tell you how to bet money it was Rotorooter. Now, I say all that because it doesn't hurt you to laugh a little bit. The title of the message tonight is, All is Well, Really, That Ends Well. All is well that ends well. It's not really how you start that counts. I'm thrilled. For choice, three children who have been raised in a Christian home, raised in a fundamental, independent, Bible-believing church, have been taught the truth from a, like Timothy, from a, a small child they've known the Holy Scriptures. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, but with all that, it's not really how they start that counts. It's how they're going to end. Because how many of those stories that you've heard and I, I can name you names and places and people of people you know whose children now are atheists, agnostics, don't go to church at all, pro professing lesbians, professing homosexuals, some of our missionary children, some of our church children, uh, people that have been that started well. They started real well. It's a mystery to me. Total mystery. I'll never understand it. But they're ending horribly. They're ending horribly. I would rather start out uh, a bust head liquor drunk living in the gutter in the woods 
and then get born from above and get saved and live for Jesus till I died. Rather than being born in a Christian home with Christian education, with Christian influence, and then turn my back on Jesus. I'm not preaching that, but Hebrews chapter 10 comes to mind on all that. What happens is that people, they do despite to the spirit of grace. Whatever you do, don't do despite to the spirit of grace. Woo! Don't do despite to the spirit of grace. If you've heard the gospel, you've been privileged beyond belief. Beyond belief. But it's not how you start so much. It's how you end. Many of us struggle at the beginning. I had four or five years in my early teen life was horrible. I abandoned God, turned the other way, tried to do everything wicked that was out there to do. But the truth is, we all start out sinners, right? One of the hard things for Christian-raised children to understand is that in, in the principle of the matter, they are as bad a sinner as any sinner ever born. you got to get that. Because if you don't realize how bad you are, you won't be grateful for how good God has made you. He said, to whom much is forgiven, they what? You know the Bible. They love much. So it's important to know how much you've been forgiven. It's so important for... I, I'm real concerned about Christian school-raised children, fundamental Bible-believing raised children, that, that never have known anything but the Bible and church and the Word of God, I'm so concerned about them that somehow they get a discounted view of their sinfulness. Now, somebody that's been out there in the world for 25, 30 years, they don't have a discounted view of their sinfulness. They know how bad they are. You don't have to talk to them about it. They got it. And, buddy, when they get saved, he who's forgiven much loves much. You don't have to tell them to be grateful. They're grateful. Woo, they're grateful that Jesus saved them. They're grateful that they're going to be, uh, that Jesus is going to keep them from falling and present them faultless aboard the presence of his glory. Uh, they're there. They'll kick their heels together. They get excited. They say amen. And normally they don't go back. Don't go back. No. We, start, we all start out, however, in principle, as with an evil nature, prone to wander, to leave our, the God we love. Or we, we actually don't love at the beginning. That's just according to the song. But uh, let, me, let me try to give you a few verses you already know. I must develop this prior to getting into the real good stuff, real happy stuff. Romans 3.10 is the proof text for who we are in God's sight. Before salvation. It's the proof text. Now, if you want to know what the love of God is, you go to, you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, that's the proof text. If you want to know the plan of salvation, uh, John 3, 16 through 22, it's the proof text. There's a lot of places. You want to know about the church, Ephesians 5, 20, 25, 27. It's the proof text. There's a lot of places in the Bible that are just the clearest, most thorough uh, dealing with particular subjects. All, all through Scripture. But in Romans chapter 3, and I'm not going to go the whole chapter, let me just give you some of the highlights of it and try to kind of point out a couple of things, is the proof text of who we all are 
In other words, this is really the way we start out. There is, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Now I want you to notice none, none righteous, no, not one. Those phrases, none righteous, no, not one. We go to verse 11, the next verse says, there is none. It says it again, that understand it. It says it again, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. All mean inclusive of everybody. They are all, as that's understood, they are together become unprofitable. You can put the word all there. They're all together become unprofitable, all of them. It says the phrase again, there is none that doeth good. Then it repeats, no, not one. Now, brother, I in language, I can't tell you, but that's just, that's just, there. God is nailing that thing down as hard as you can nail something down. In verses uh, 10 and 11 and 12. Then it goes in more specificity. It says, their throat is an open sepulcher. Well, that ain't good. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. That's bad. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. And the fear of God, they have no fear of God before their eyes. Jump down to verse 23. For all, go into that inclusive word again, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's how we start. That's every one of us. Raising a Christian home, not raising a Christian home, uh, whoever it is, everybody starts the same. Little Barrow's baby, little Owen. This is talking about him. Little uh, um, wheelbarrow. It's talking about him. Isaiah chapter 64, one of the texts I like to go to on this is verse 6 and 7 says, For we are all, there's that inclusive phrase again, as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses, and it's plural there, are as filthy rags. The, Greek, the Hebrew word is uh, putrefied rags. And we are all, we all, that's that inclusive word, do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And in verse 7 there, it says, There is none that calleth upon thy name and stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. Basically, all through the Bible, uh, it makes it real clear and makes a point that you understand that you're lost and undone without God or His Son. You're lost. You, you can't do it. You say, Brother Bill, this is a mute point. Oh, really? Oh, really? Uh, somebody put a track in a pair of uh, girl's slacks. She wasn't wearing them. In a store. I get an email from this irate father this says, how dare some one of your people put a gospel track in a pair of pants that my daughter bought? You are the worst kind of human being on earth. I'm not exaggerating. I'm under-reporting. He went on to describe how awful I was. 
how wicked I was, how bad I was, no amens, how, how terrible I was, and, and you, by the way, too. You know why I thought that? Because we had the audacity to believe that we had the plan of salvation. That we were arrogant enough to believe, self-righteous enough to believe that Jesus Christ was the only way. You're the worst kind of human. I'm thinking of Hitler, Mussolini. I'm thinking of some of Genghis Khan. I'm thinking of, of the Jack the Ripper. I'm thinking of a lot of these. I'm, th I'm thinking, we're above them. We're worse than those folks. That's because the base nature of man is self-righteous. Man's problem is pride. Our problem is pride. It's not feeling bad about ourselves. It's feeling too good about ourselves. It's feeling like we're up here when we're down here. How do I know that? Read the book. The Bible says it, doesn't it? There's none righteous, no, not one. Our righteousness is filthy rags, and it goes on in other places to describe it. But that's the way we start with God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 says, uh, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. That's about as, it's as bad as you can get it. We have no hope. How much hope? No hope. Without God in the world. But I'm glad he goes on. He says, but now. Now you want to preach a sermon on but now. That's a good one, brother. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Ooh, glory. Who gets all the glory? Jesus Christ who died for us. We were without hope, without Christ, strangers, aliens. Look at those words. Without hope in the world, without God. And Jesus came by. Since Jesus came by, since Jesus passed by. Oh, what a difference since Jesus passed by. I can't explain it. And I cannot tell you why. But oh, what a difference. Since Jesus passed by. Man, you can't bring me down. You can't bring me down. Because I'm saved. I have a hope in heaven. My name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's all, everything's all right in my Father's house. In my Father's house, in my Father's house, everything's all right. In my Father's house, where there's joy, joy, joy. And you know, I'm going there pretty soon. You can't bring me down. Oh, you know, you're going to get sick. You're going to, maybe after. I thought of Pastor McKinney, you know. He got Alzheimer's. He was such a sweet man. I wish you could have known him. And he got Alzheimer's. And uh, that institutionalized the old boy. Now, he was a big old boy. He was a Marine bartender before he got saved. And he was a thick man, big bone, thick guy. 
And he weighed about 245. You didn't know what he didn't look that big, but he was. And uh, I, I wouldn't want to tangle with old McKinney. He couldn't fight long because he was out of shape. But he could fight probably pretty good for 30 seconds. When he got crazy, they had to put him in a padded cell. Had to put that old boy in a padded cell. And he got in a fight with an orderly. took him down. Yeah, he did. Naomi told me. He beat up an orderly. And they put him in a straitjacket. And he ended that way. I thought, oh, but you know, everything's all right in my father's house. Ultimately, you're not going to hurt the end of a Christian. Oh, you may have little ups and downs. You may go to the nut house. You may get put in. I may get. I may go crazy as a loony bird. Oh, I'm gonna be mean if I do, because that'll be the old nature. But in the end, it's gonna be all right, because it's how you end. It's not how you begin. Now, if I mean you had a bad start, okay, but you're gonna have a good end by the grace of God. Okay, you were sexually abused as a, as a child, all right, but you're gonna end well. Uh, you're going to go okay. God's going to help you. It's not so much how you start out, it is how you end that counts. When you place your simple faith in Jesus Christ as your sin substitute, trust Him as your personal Savior with all your heart, ask Him to forgive you, save you from your wretched condition, He takes over. He takes over your end. He takes over your end. And he's going to present you in the very presence of his glory without fault. <laughs> Other places, Scripture says, I'm going to be presented blameless. It says unreprovable in his sight. Now, if you don't get a sense of gratitude tonight, I don't know when you will. That, when God asks me to do something, I'm saying, here am I, send me. Because, man, there's no amount of sacrifice that he could ever ask me to do that he doesn't deserve and I shouldn't be grateful to do. Amen? Wow. And I want to do it happily. I don't want to do anything for God with a grudge. Or, well, oh, i got to do that. I like old Don, Don Sis. You get to do it. You get to do it by the grace of God. I like John chapter 10. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I, I and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. What now? Never perish. I was in the hospital in Sanford, the Sanford Hospital in Bismarck, and uh, a, cardi a cardiologist, young guy, young cardiologist came in. He obviously lifted weights. He was he was in great shape. I mean, a cardiologist ought to be in good shape. You know, I mean, he lifted weights. He was muscled. He was. Well, like I am, you know. Um, he was, he came in, you know, and and he was like, you know, my, my, I, I, took, I said, man, you, you hit the gym a lot. He said, well, I'm a, you know, a cardiologist. I said, well, I got to say something before we go into anything about my condition. Nobody gets out of this thing alive. He said, you're right. Now, he's a young guy. By the time he's a little older, he'll know that's more true than he knows. But, I mean, we're not, 
No matter what you do, guess what's going to happen? And then you're going to die. You're going to leave this old body here so you can get your new body like in his glorious body and you can dwell with him forever. And this old body can't do that, won't do that. But the new body will. I got a new body. Praise the Lord. I've got a new life. I don't know the rest of the song, but I like that verse. My father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I am my father one. Now, now what verses 27 through 30 in, in John chapter 10, what's that really say? It says five things. Let me give them to you. Number one, it says he restores our fellowship that was lost in Adam. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. God, but Jesus Christ, through salvation, restores your fellowship with God that was lost in Adam. Secondly, he secures our permanence. They shall never perish. He secures it. I don't like to live in insecurity. Do you? I hate it when the economy gets like this and you don't know what's going on. I hate it when the stock market's going up and down. And all I don't have any stock money in there, but I mean, let me just say this. You all, everything you have is in the stock market. Because the banks take your money and invest it in the stock market. If the stock market goes down to nothing, you have no money. Well, that's a thought. The only thing you'll have left is the house you may own, car you may own, and, and some people, you know, they'll 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 put fifty grand in a bottle and put wax on it and bury it in the backyard. I mean, there some people are doing that. But but if the currency is no good, that won't do much good, amen. My currency's in brass. You keep the food, I'll come get it. Okay, so the first thing he says, he restores our fellowship with lost in Adam. He secures our permanence. The third thing, he delivers us from death, hell, personally paying for our sins. Fourthly, he says, no one is stronger than my father, and so nobody's going to be able to change what I say. I, what I like about Jesus being a deity, Jesus has got to be God manifest the flesh, or everything he said is not reliable. Because only God could say that my words will not pass away. Only God could say that. No, no human, no, no mortal could say that. But he said it over and over again. And fifthly, what that passage says is what he says is the same as if the Father said it. I like in John chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, where he says, uh, you know, Philip says, and he says, honestly, show us the Father. And, and he says, uh, uh, Philip, have you been so long with me and not knowing me? Now, I don't know about you, but that knocks my socks off. What would you like to feel like standing in the presence of the Father? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You're standing in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene who made everything that ever existed, past, present, and future. What manner of man is this? That even the waves and the wind obey him and everything else obeys him, the fish obey him. You know, wow. No one but deity could say those things. But Jesus Christ indeed is God manifest in the flesh. But he says we're going to miss death. Well, I'm taking his word on it. The devil comes by and whispers to you. Sure he does. Your old flesh comes by and whispers to you. Sure it does. 
uh, heretics will come by and whisper to you that those things aren't so. But brother, you just trust and obey. Jesus said to the two girls, Mary and Martha, you know, the brother died, Lazarus' brother died four days. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though we were dead, yet shall he live. He's talking about Lazarus there. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? They said, well, you know, we believe that, you know, that everybody's going to be raised. In she had faith. Everybody was going to be raised in the resurrection. But he said, no, I am the resurrection. I'm it. Oh, would I have loved to have been there to watch the look on their faces when he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he walked out of that place. Woo! That's our Savior talking about. What death is Jesus talking about? Where he says, he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Well, Lazarus died. Guess what? He got to die again. He's one of the few men in the Bible who got to die twice. Got to die twice. I don't want to die twice. Well, little I've seen of death, I don't want twice. Once is enough. But Lazarus died. Mary, who, who was talking to him, and Martha, who was talking to him, they died. Um, all the apostles that walked with him, they died. So what was he talking about when he said, he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die? He couldn't have been talking about physical death. He had to be talking. He had to be talking about spiritual death, what the Bible calls a second death. See, if you're born once, you've got to die twice. You've got to die physically, but then you stand before God and answer for your own sins and cast in a place called the lake of fire. That's called the second death. God won't even call it life. Your conscience, yes, but you're in a place where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. He says, that's so bad that I'm not even going to call that condition that you find yourself in for eternity Life, I'm going to call it death. I'm going to call it the second death because you die physically and you die spiritually. Woo! But if you're born twice, physically once and spiritually once, you only die once. You only get to, I only got to go through this physical separation, which is somewhat painful and somewhat scary and, and, and somewhat wild. It's kind of like birth. It's just wild. But soon it's over. And you walk on the other side, never experience it again. And, and, and that condition that you find yourself in as a born-again Christian is called life. Everlasting. So the, the death he's talking about must be the death of the soul, if I may call it that way. But it's not a cessation from consciousness. It's just the condition is so bad. He says it this way. In Revelation 21, 8, he says, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Nobody wants part of the second death. Nobody in this room, nobody in this room wants to be part of the second death. It says in, in uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Nobody in this room, in the sound of my voice, wherever this goes, wants to be part of the lake of fire. You want to do whatever you must do to not be part of the lake of fire. You want to do whatever you must do to be part of the Lamb's book of life. The 
born-again person will never experience this death. Our end is going to be like Jude chapter 1 says. It's going to be with exceeding joy. Some people I have known have had a lot of sorrow. Pastor Crichton has seen it. Uh, a lot of it. Uh, Dr. Dr. Crabb sees it. Sorrow. Deep sorrow. Sorrow. Loss. In this world. But that's all going to be wiped away with exceeding joy that God's going to get. When my wife, my wife and I, I know it's hard for you to believe this, but my wife and I were a little tense with each other prior to stopping into that gas station. In other words, I was a little irritable, and she was a little testy. I know I have a hard time believing it, but when, when she started laughing, I wanted to be mad because she embarrassed me in front of this guy who was so polite to give me directions about Rotorooter. And she just was went out in this bellowing, screaming, out of control laughing. Did you know you cannot be mad at somebody that's laughing like that? Pretty soon I'm laughing. Pretty soon I'm laughing, and I'm laughing about like she's laughing. The more I'm laughing, then she laughs. And we were starting to fuel each other. It's crazy. I got high blood pressure anyway, and it's getting worse. I'm getting red-faced Baptist. And, uh, but, man, I am telling you, it was crazy. And I got thinking, you know, the joy, the exceeding joy that God's going to allow you to experience is going to wipe out all of the grouchiness, wipe out all of the pain, wipe out all of the trouble, wipe out all of the suffering. Even if it lasts for years and years, eternity will wipe that out. Tonight end well. It's not how you start. It's how you end. It's how you end. I have sometimes people saved later in life come to me and say, Brother Bill, I'm so sad I didn't get saved earlier. I said, well, you know, brother, you got saved when you got saved. Be happy you got saved. Amen? I don't think in heaven you're going to have a little badge. I got saved when I was 40. Or I got saved when I was 60. Dick Carr got saved when he was, how many in here know Dick Carr? Anybody know Dick? He got saved when he was 60 years old. Uh, De Young, Kathy De Young. What was his first name? Andy De Young got saved. Seventy-four years old. This church lived for God. Died and he's maybe ninety. I don't know when he died. He got saved late in life, and they have regrets about. Man, I wish I could have been saved when I was young and lived for God and had a chance to serve God, but you didn't. But brother. That's not going to matter much in heaven. It's be faithful in a few things. I'll make you rule over many. He that worked one hour got the same reward that he that worked 11 hours. And the 11-hour guy didn't really like that much. But I don't think in heaven you're going to be able to complain to him. You know, they got the same reward I got. And I lived 45, 55 years for Jesus, and he only lived five years. That's jealousy. That's pettiness. That ain't going to be in heaven. You're going to be thrilled they get rewarded. You're going to be thrilled that they have eternal life. You're going to be thrilled. Oh, man, I can't wait. It's good.
I hope you all end well. Make sure you don't let yourself get detoured on the way to glory. Now unto him who is able to present you To present you false in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God. I think it says glory, dominion, power, majesty. Father, help us. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.